0: Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today, you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. Well, my wife and I had the, the privilege the last two and a half days to be way up in northern Vermont helping our uh, two oldest sons run a national championship for kids' disc golf. Um, and we drove back yesterday, uh, late yesterday afternoon. Uh, and just this, this beauty of, you know, you through the mountains of Vermont and driving and, and just look, and it's like it's carpeted, right? With these different trees and the different shades of green. And, and it's just, just beautiful. It's life, right? And God's glory and God's creation. You can see it all. And as I was thinking about uh, this sermon today and, and what the Lord, I believe, will show us from this passage of Scripture, I was thinking about our lives with that kind of a picture and our lives being full and, and, and showing God's glory and life and, uh, in many different shades. And, uh, but then I think back that when I think about the seasons, what, February? February? end of February, beginning of March, what was your backyard like? <laughs> Mine too, right? There were branches down from the winter, stuff was looked dead as could be, right? The, and, and winter has its own beauty, okay? I'm not saying that, but I'm just trying to bring us a contrast here today and think about it. And then something happens, you know, it starts there in mid-March, late March, and then all of a sudden, in about three weeks' time, everything is what? Transformed. It goes from this place where it looks like no life and, and mess, and, and, and it goes to, wow, there is life, and there is hope, and this is cool. And, um, and I think in our lives, we find ourselves in the same way. That in our lives, sometimes we look at our life, and we go, oh man, it is winter everywhere. <laughs> We're cold, seems dead, um, no signs of life. And we are in desperate need of a transformation at that point in our lives, aren't we? And sometimes it isn't like our whole life. Sometimes it's just this area of my life or, or that area of my life where I'm in need of transformation. And, and so the word transformation means, it's a definition, it's, it's a major change in nature, function, or form, or all three, okay? And, and as Christians, when we find places in our lives that aren't what God intends for those places to be, places in our lives that either, either because of the curse of sin in the world and things we're having to deal with, or because of our own choices, our own sinful choices, or, and it's choices that aren't choices to believe God, but to believe something else. And we find ourselves in these places in need of transformation. We need a change inside, don't we? We need a change in the function, how we live, and we need a change in then what that looks like in our lives. We need transformation. And thankfully, our God is in a transforming business. Isn't that good news? That wherever you are today, You are not stuck there. If you are in a good place, you can go forward. If you are in a hard place, you can go forward and we can experience God's transformation. And what we see is that that God intends to use faith as how he transforms us. Now in in one sense we know Romans chapter 12 verse 2 it says and be not conformed to this world but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. So let's just do a quick review when we're talking about faith because this comes into play. Remember when we said faith? There's there's two aspects of faith that are actually intertwined, but we're gonna talk about them separately, okay? That they are intertwined with each other. But one is what we know. God has enabled us to know. Know what he says about this, know what he says about that, and here's the truth about the situation, all this kind of stuff, and here's what God says how we ought to think and respond. That's not faith. Oftentimes we will, call, we will say, well, I believe this, that, and the other thing. But it's not faith the way James talks about it, a faith that produces works in our lives, a living faith. And so we know these things, and it becomes faith when we do what? When we, with the will, choose to actually trust these things, to step out on what God has said and go forward. And so when those two elements are present, we have this living faith, and God intends to transform us with this. And, and this idea of being transformed by the renewing of your mind, where does that come in? That comes in in this part of it, doesn't it? What I know, how I see the world, and it begins to transform me, which leads me that it makes sense now to do what? To trust God and go forward with it. So he, trend, he uses faith To transform us. And we're going to see that in our story here today. So let's go to the book of Judges. We're going to be on page 282 in the Bible that's under the chairs there. And as always, we encourage you to follow along with us if you don't have your own Bible with you. Because it would be very helpful to you. Page 282 in the Bible that's in the chairs. Judges chapter 6. Judges 6. Judges is an interesting book. There's no king in Israel at this time. Uh, and, uh, but what happens is that when God's people find themselves in trouble, in need of deliverance from their enemies, God would raise up someone. And they called these persons judges. And he would lead them during this time. And God would use this person to deliver them. So that's what's going on here. Chapter 6, verse 1. It says, Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. Now, Midian, are, are, are their enemies, and uh, so they're being oppressed. We're gonna see how that works. But I want you to say, when it says the Lord uh, delivered them into the hand of Midian, what's this about? I, I really think that what we find is that God stopped protecting them from Midian. And we're going to see as we go through the story that God works behind the scenes when we're walking with him. Probably works behind the scenes either way. But do you have any idea how many things God protects you from? That you don't even know, right? That we don't know. There is an effort behind the scenes. And uh, God is much at work. So God here stops protecting them. Because why? What's it say? Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. They sinned against him. They didn't live the way he had told them to live. So he stops protecting them and he lets the enemy come and oppress them. Verse 2. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. And so what are they doing? This is God's people and they are in hiding. They have to go and hide so it was whenever Israel had sown, sown their their wheat, their garden, Midianites would come up, also Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey, for they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. And, And destroying it, uh, in other words, they came and they took whatever they wanted for themselves and then wrecked the rest of it. Obviously, this is not good for Israel. Verse 6. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. God, well, help us. You know, what's going on here? Verse 7. And it came to pass when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord because of the Midianites that the Lord sent a prophet. In whose land you dwell. Let's stop right there. When the Bible uses the word fear this way, especially in the Old Testament, he's talking about do not worship. Okay, do not worship them. Do not give these gods the place of the true God in your life. Okay, that's what he's talking about. Do not fear them. So don't worship the gods of these other people. And the last phrase, he says, but you have not obeyed my voice. So why did they find themselves in dire circumstances? Why? Because they had not done what God said. Have you ever found yourself in dire circumstances because you didn't do what God said? You know, Sometimes you, you may be there and not know it, that that's why you got there, and they seemed to almost not know why they were there, didn't they? God, where are you? Why aren't you saving? Well... He said, I have no, I'm able to deliver you, but you aren't obeying me. You're worshiping false gods. You're putting something in your life ahead of me. And that's always sin, isn't it? Sinful to do so. So let me show you something from here. The principle I think that we see throughout Scripture, and that's this, that, that sin is always deceptive and destructive and leaves us in need of transformation. It's always deceptive. Sin will lie to you. What does sin say to you? This is going to be a good thing. This is going to be a pleasurable thing. You're going to find great security in this. You're going to become significant because of this. Whatever, it lies to us. And and we know from the book of Hebrews, it describes sin there and the temptation that comes that, that the pleasures of sin for what? A season, for a time. Sin will be pleasurable. Sin will do what we think it's going to do for a little bit and then boom. You know know what this is like? This is like saying, wow, I'm really hungry. I need something to eat. And you look around and you say, oh, good, a half gallon of ice cream. Oh, it feels good. And you walk away and and 15, 20 minutes later, half hour later, what happens? (laughs) You crash. Well, see, sin is like that because much worse situation. But so it deceives us. And so in our lives, when we find ourselves needing transformation, very often it's because of choices we have made. Or you might think of some of the things as choices we have not made that we should have. So let's think about that for just a minute. Pride. Is that a sin? If you become prideful and so therefore you're not dependent upon the Lord and you're doing your own thing your own way, guess what? It's going to leave you in need of transformation (laughs) because it's going to bring havoc into your life. Um, How about uh, discontent? Will that lead you to make bad choices? Sinful choices? Yeah, because you're going to decide to do something with your money that God says don't do or don't do what God says to do and you're going to begin something else that's going to become more important to you in God. It's going to bring these problems into your life. It's going to cause you to, to be fearful and to go into high. It's just going to bring problems into your life. Uh, we could go on. Let's think of other sins that we, we might struggle with. Uh, gossip, right? We like that. We like to be in the know and to share that and be important. How about being self-absorbed? Just, you know, me. <laughs> now, it's not just me, okay? <laughs> self-absorbed. We can be self-absorbed. Um, now, well, here's one. And we don't know this thing as sin, but remember we talked, I think, earlier this summer about that. You are including God in your life. So wait, that's a good thing to include God. No, it isn't. That means I have my life, and I got this, and I do this, and I do this, and I do this, and all this kind of stuff, and this. Oh, oh I have a place for God here, too. And, and um, how does that show up? Well, this shows up that that I do God stuff when it's convenient, right? I read my Bible if, if I can find some time. I come to church when I just don't have anything else to do. I mean, we're including God, but God is not interested in being included. God says, don't add me to your life, I am your life, right? He comes first before all else. And we need to pursue the relationship that way. Worldly wisdom, you know, where we we go with what uh, the world thinks is wise rather than getting into the Word and discovering what God, you know. And so we end up in need of transformation. And, And by the way, not all, well, let me say this first. Even failing to walk by faith, even failing to make the faith decisions that we've been talking about, can be sin in fact in Romans chapter 14 in a certain context but Paul says for whatever is not of faith is sin okay so we ought to be living by faith and and making these faith decisions and and living them out and when we don't we find ourselves just like these people here they are impoverished they are and you can be impoverished in lots of ways not just money you can be having an impoverished soul can't you Okay, they're impoverished. Uh, and, and what I was going to say is that not all, every time you find you in your life you need transformation, you've got to change you. It isn't necessarily because you sinned. I'm not saying that. But very often, it is our sinful choices that have produced the problems that we're experiencing in our own lives. All right, so let's continue to read here. Verse Verse 11. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash the Abiezrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. Okay, so you don't normally thresh wheat in a winepress. You know, you go on the top of the hill where it's very windy and you can throw the wheat in the air, the chaff blows away and the wheat falls down. He has to go hide because he's afraid the Midianites are going to find it and get, get this wheat. So Gideon is in hiding. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him. And we're going to see the angel of the Lord here that that this is actually the Lord himself speaking to Gideon. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And who is he saying this to? To Gideon who was doing what? What's he doing? Hiding. That's right, he's in hiding. You mighty man of valor. And I know Gideon may be... But I want you to see, how does God see Gideon? God sees Gideon for what he can be. Oh, isn't that good news? Sometimes you and I look at our lives and we don't can't even see how we could be anything better, anything different. We we lose hope in that, but but God sees you differently than you see you. So a question who who should you believe, you or God? And is that kind of a duh? I should believe God. That's right. Okay. Verse 13, Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And, and where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord, let me just stop a minute here and say, I, I see Gideon kind of being pretty strong on his opinion here. You notice that? Okay, God, this, 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 bu, 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 bu. And so verse 14, then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. And here's the key have I not sent you? Gideon, I am sending you to do something. You are a mighty man of value, valor. You will deliver my people. Go and do it. You got concerns? well, who's sending you? I, God, am sending you. Verse 15, so he said to him, Gideon says to him, oh, my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man, as though they were just one person here. All right, so Gideon is confronted with a faith decision, isn't he? He needs to decide, is he going to believe what he thinks, what has come to him naturally, or is he going to believe what God has said? And what what would be the different outcomes? If he doesn't make a faith decision, where is he going to be? Threshing wheat in the winepress. If he makes a faith decision, God here is saying he's going to use Gideon to do great things and deliver him. So there has to be a transformation in Gideon, doesn't there? All right, now let me show you this. So here we are. He's being confronted with a faith decision. Here's what God is saying. You know, it isn't what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, or how I've looked alike. But here's what God is actually saying. All right, am I going to trust it or not? And so here's his, his situation. He's on this side of that decision, untransformed. If he will make this decision, he will be what? Transformed. Because what he was there and how he looked at life will not be the same anymore. He will be different on this side, he will see life differently on this side. So understand this God intends to transform us through our faith decisions, through our faith decisions. Do you have any faith decisions you needed to make this week? Some of them you probably made, some of you maybe you didn't make. But God wants to transform you through those faith decisions. When you come to face-to-face with, here's what God says, and here's what this means in my life, I'm going to trust it. and That will bring transformation into your life. So think about this. God tell you to let your light shine? Did you have any faith decisions you needed to make this week about that? Well, if you made that faith decision and, and made that conscious choice to let your light shine so that people could see the Lord in you, that brought some transformation into your life. But if you didn't, you're still on this other side and you aren't experiencing that transformation that God has you. Love your enemies. Pray like it matters because it does, you know. Mixing, Bringing these two things together, the truth about what God says and trusting it brings transformation, good transformation. The kind of transformation you like to have and experience. Let's move down to verse 25. In the intervening verses, the Lord proves to uh, Gideon that he is who he says he is. But read down to verse 25. Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, Take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, one of these false gods, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. So Gideon took ten men from among his servants and did as the Lord had said to him but because he feared his father's household and the men of the city too much to do it by day, he did it by night. Is Gideon a real guy? (laughs) Right? I get that. But I want you to, um, to see this. God says, you are going to deliver my people from the Midianites. You're a mighty man of value. You're going to go out and do this. All right, now here's your first assignment. Your father's household, which Gideon was a part of, You guys have your own altar to Baal. How can you deliver my people out here when in your own household you got Baal there, that false God? And so I think that as we start looking at this transformation, we're going to see is that God normally begins our transformation by presenting us with faith decisions that are close to home. In other words, you may look at your life and you see all these things that need to happen and you want that transformation. God says, that's awesome. I'm going to give you that transformation. But you know what? Do you remember that habit that you have? Oh, needs to go. Or or do you remember that relationship that isn't what it's supposed to be? You, You need to address that, whatever it is. And I don't know what that is in your life. But it wouldn't surprise me if you are struggling with, with things in your life that big transformation need to happen is there's probably something close to home that you need to address. So seek the Lord about that and, and, and then address it. All right, let's go over to, oh, and so let's, what happens? He does this, the town people are all upset. They wanna kill him and his father stops him and says, no, if Baal is upset, let Baal deal with it. Okay, so that doesn't happen. But they, so they gives him another name, Jerubal, meaning let, let Baal plead, his own cause. All right, let's go down to verse 33. Then all the Midianites and Amalekites, the people of the east, gathered together, and they crossed over and encamped in the valley of Jezreel. It's happening again. The enemy's coming into the land, just like before. Verse 34. But something different happens this time. The Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon. Then he blew the trumpet, and the Abiezrites gathered behind him, and he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who also gathered behind him. He also sent messengers to Asher, Zebulun, and Naphtali, and they came up to meet him. All right, understand this. Faith decisions are really important. Because they produce transformation that prepares us for a greater work of God in our lives. So let's think of Gideon. Here's Gideon's story. Hiding, fearful, uh, you know, not understanding what's going on. God brings him information, tells him truth. Gideon makes a decision, okay, I'm going to trust that. And then God says, okay, let's do what? Let's tear down the idol in your own household. Okay, I'm going to do that. He does that. And he comes out on the other side, different. Different in a good way. So now, when the enemy comes in, instead of going into hiding, what's he do? He's ready for God's work. Okay, Lord, what? And it says the Spirit of God came upon him, and he knew what to do. Instead of hiding, he blew the trumpet. Instead of, you know, staying on his own, he called in the other people. Do you see how this transformation prepared? What if he hadn't, in the beginning, believed God about himself? What if he hadn't, by faith, made a faith decision to tear down the idol in his own household? What would have happened when the enemy came in? He'd have been what? Over here, just like he had always been. But so each of these faith decisions is bringing transformation into his life that is preparing him for the next thing that God wants to do in his life. Do you know that God does want to do something with you in your life? God does. God wants to work in you and through you into the world around you somehow. He wants you to be a part of bringing someone to Christ. He wants you to be a part of sending a missionary around the world. He wants you to be a part of encouraging your brothers and sisters in Christ. He wants you to be a part of serving in the body and doing your parts with the whole body. He wants you to do that. The only way you're going to be able and ready to do that is if you do what? You keep making those faith decisions. And God will use that, prepare you, for a greater work in your life. All right, let's, let's, uh, let's go to chapter seven. All right, so Gideon in the meantime, it's, this is the story of the fleece and the, uh, Gideon setting out a fleece and all that and it's not really what we're talking about today. Chapter seven, verse one. Then Jerubal, that was his new name, remember? That is Gideon. And all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Herod. So that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side of them by the hill of Moreh in the valley. And I've been here and I couldn't find pictures for you today, but the Midianites were right down here in the valley, and Gideon and his people were up here on the hill, and there's a well and a spring there. Okay, and so they're up on the hill above the enemy. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. We're going to see Gideon has 32,000 people who have showed up to fight. Man, isn't that good news? Because God's people were doing what before? They were hiding in dens and caves and not. Now 32,000 have shown up. This is awesome. And God says, there's too many of you. He says, lest Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, my own hand has saved me. Now therefore proclaim in the hearing of the people, saying, whoever is fearful and afraid, let him turn and depart at once from Mount Gilead. If you're afraid, go ahead and go home. Twenty-two thousand of the people returned, and ten thousand remained. Oops. You think Gideon's standing there watching this going, uh, hmm. Verse four, but the Lord said to Gideon, the people are still too many. Bring them down to the water and I will test them for you there. Then it will be that of whom I say to you, this one shall go with you, the same shall go with you. And of whomever I say, this one shall not go with you, the same shall not go. So he brought the people down to the water and the Lord said to Gideon, everyone who laps from the water with his tongue as a dog laps, you shall set apart by himself. Likewise, everyone who gets down on his knees to drink. And the number of those who lapped, putting their hand to their mouth and was scooping the water up and drinking it out of their hand. was 300 men. But all the rest of the people got down on their knees to drink water. And Gideon probably said, okay, good. God's gonna get rid of these 300. Then the Lord said to Gideon, by the 300 men who lapped, I will save you and deliver the Midianites into your hand. Let all the other people go, every man to his place. So the people took provisions and their trumpets in their hands, and he sent away all the rest of Israel, every man to his tent, and retained those 300 men and now the camp of Midian was blown in the valley. But 300, from 32,000 down to 300. <laughs> Why did God do that? He told us up above, because you guys will think you did this in your own strength if I, if I don't change this here. But God, like, really changed it? There are thousands of Midianites in the valley. Um, who knows, even with 32,000, Israel may have been challenged to, to win the battle, but... I'm going to show you three things in, in this passage about transformation. A crucial part of the transformation process is coming to the realization that our only hope is for the Lord to lead and work. Our only hope. Now, does this mean we have nothing to do? No, we have things to do. God's going to give them things to do, but what He gives them to do isn't going to change anything unless God what leads and works. This is crucial. This gets us to the place in our life where we understand that every moment of every day we're dependent upon the Lord. And when you're dependent on the Lord and you're consciously dependent on the Lord, guess what you do? You talk to the Lord. When you aren't consciously dependent on the Lord, you don't talk to him. Why would you? But so you pray. When you're consciously dependent on the Lord, you say, okay, wait, what's God saying? What am I supposed to do? And it just changes how you think about things. And so this idea of transformation, God is going to, wants us to come to that place where we understand that our hope, our only hope, is for Him to lead and work as we do the things that He has told us to do. Okay, let's continue, Verse nine. It happened on the same night that the Lord said to him, "Arise, go down against the camp for I have delivered it into your hand. But if you are afraid to go down, go, uh, uh, but if you are afraid to go down, go down to the camp with Pura, your servant." and you shall hear what they say, and afterward your hands shall be strengthened to go down against the camp. Then he went down with Pura, his servant, to the outpost of the armed men who were in the camp. So they snuck down at night, down to around the edges of the Midianite camp. Verse 12, now the Midianites and Amalekites, all the people of the east, were lying in the valley as numerous as locusts, and their camels were without number as the sand by the seashore in multitude. And when Gideon had come, There was a man telling a dream to his companion. He said, I have had a dream. To my surprise, now understand, this is what Gideon and his servant are overhearing. To my surprise, a loaf of barley bread tumbled into the camp of Midian. It came to a tent and struck it so that it fell and overturned, and the tent collapsed. Kind of strange, but here's something that seems like, I mean, You ever gone camping, set up your tent? Did you ever worry that a loaf of bread might roll in and knock it down? (laughs) But this is what this guy says. And I was, that shouldn't have happened. I had this dream, and and see what the other guy says. Verse 14, then his companion answered and said, this is nothing else but the sword of Gideon, the son of Joash, a man of Israel. Into his hand, God has delivered Midian and the whole camp. So he's hearing these soldiers saying that they are what? They are afraid of Gideon and the God of Gideon. They're fearful. They're afraid. So um, second thing, the that, that, uh, realization that's important, a crucial part of the transformation process, is the realization that God is in fact, is in fact leading and working. Do we always see it? We don't always see it fact as we were worshiping today and it talked about how Jesus uh, you know, died and then they, they wrapped him and buried him with tears and he's gone and, and they had no clue what was going on behind the scenes. The son of God had done what? Paid the penalty for every sin and, and he was going to be raised in three days God was doing things they never saw they never knew and when I said, Sue, that's a combination of saw and new, okay? <laughs> God is at work behind the scenes. And so you've got to realize here we are, right, this transformation process, and I need to make faith decisions, and I can't see it, I can't see it. Guess what? God is working behind the scenes. He's at work behind the scenes. We saw already in the beginning that he was at work behind the scenes. When they disobeyed God, what did God do? I said, well, you want to handle it? <laughs> go ahead. Now he's working behind the scenes in a different way. He's put the fear of God and Gideon in these people. And he will do the same with what's going on in your life. All right, let's continue reading. Verse 15, and so it was when Gideon heard the telling of the dream and its interpretation that he worshiped. He worshiped God. He returned to the camp of Israel and said, Arise, for the Lord has delivered the camp of Midian into your hand. He has made a faith decision based on what God has shown him. And so one more crucial part of the transformation process is when you come to realization that a faith decision always makes sense. I mean, when I think about Some of the instructions that God gives in our relationship. Talk about in our marriage relationship. What instructions he gives us. And we find ourselves in situations where where we have this problem and that problem and another problem. And God says, well, husband, love your wife. Love your wife the way I've loved you. That doesn't make sense. Well, my husband, you don't know my husband. And God says, What? Respect him, honor him. Have a submissive heart toward him. Well, that doesn't mean, no, what I want you to understand is this, that a faith decision, if this is what God says, choosing to trust always makes sense. Because God is always right. His ways are always best. So don't think it's illogical. It might seem illogical from your limited human mind. But it always makes sense to trust God, to make that faith decision. And it's going it's to transform you when you do. And i got to say to you that I have never, ever made a faith decision that didn't end up as a wise decision. Never experienced that. All right, let's read on. Verse 16. Then he divided the 300 men into three companies, and he put a trumpet into every man's hand with empty pitchers and torches inside the pitchers. And he said to them, Look at me and do likewise. Watch, and when I come to the edge of the camp, you shall do as I do. When I blow the trumpet, I and all who are with me, then you also blow the trumpets on every side of the whole camp and say, the sword of the Lord and of Gideon. He's going to play into that because he knows this dream is what? They've been talking about this, and then sure enough, they hear it. Verse 19, so Gideon and the hundred men who were with him came to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just as they had posted the watch, and they blew the trumpets, broke the pitchers that were in their hands, and and there's a light inside that pitcher, so all of a sudden there's a torch that people are seeing. Then the three companies blew the trumpets and broke the pitchers. They held the torches in their left hands, the trumpets in their right hands for blowing, and they cried the sword of the Lord into Gideon, and every man stood in his place all around the camp and the whole army, ran and cried out and fled. So from the the enemy's standpoint, they're looking around and seeing what? Everywhere. There's torches and trumpets and how many soldiers are coming and Gideon's coming to get us. And So they just fear and run. It's chaos. Verse 22, when the 300 blew the trumpets, the Lord said every man's sword against his companion throughout the whole camp. They start fighting each other. It's dark. They can't see. People running every which way. And so they're killing each other. And the army fled. Okay, verse 23. And the men of Israel, all these who had been sent home, now they come running and gather together from Naphtali, Asher, and Almanaz and pursued the Midianites. So great victory. But who gave the victory? Who gave the victory? God did. What was Gideon's role? Faith, decision. Here's what I say. Trust. That was Gideon's role. But it brought transformation in their lives. For seven years, this has been going the other way. Now it isn't going that way anymore. Something has changed and is changing. And so understand, this goes along with what we were just talking about. God's response to our faith decisions is to show himself faithful. He will do what he said he will do. So let's turn over to chapter 8, to verse 22. After all is said and done, they chased the army, they've defeated them and Verse 22 it says then the men of Israel said to Gideon rule over us both you and your son and your grandson also for you have delivered us from the hand of midian Everybody sees Gideon and he is what transformed He said I'm from the least the smallest clan and the weakest clan and now here they are asking him to what be our leader not just you but your sons we want you to on going be our leader what kind of transformation has occurred, and how has it occurred? It has occurred, why? Because repeatedly, he's made faith decisions. So transformation, transformative faith, and actually, let's read the next verse, because it reveals something else about him. But Gideon said to them, I will not rule over you, nor shall my son rule over you, the Lord shall rule over you. Now Gideon does provide leadership. But he says, we need the Lord to rule over us. Okay? So transformative faith, I want you to see, is supposed to be a way of life, providing ongoing preparation for each new thing the Lord has for us to do. In other words, you don't faith make faith decisions, now I'm transformed, good. I'm all done, I'm all set. No, God has more to do. More faith decisions. More faith decisions. In fact, sadly, if we read the rest of the chapter here, we would discover that Gideon forgot that. He stopped making those faith decisions and it said it was a trap, a snare for his household. But God's intention is this. is an ongoing process in our lives, continually transforming us to become like the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where he's taking us. So what in your life today do you need transformation in? What faith decision are you facing that you need to make? Don't don't walk away from it. Don't say no to God. Don't ignore it. Make the faith decision. And it will bring a positive transformation in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And I pray, Lord, that We'll take it to heart and go from here and see these faith decisions that you you put before. us. Sometimes they seem little. Sometimes they're huge. But, Father, that we would see that that's what we need to do. And and what we're really desiring in our hearts is is this is how we get there. So I pray, Father, we would please you with our faith. Um, And I ask now as we partake of the Lord's Supper together, Father, that that you'd really just confirm to us what you have done for us. That if we believe, we can go forward from and build on and, and honor and glorify you in our lives. Then we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.